Hello. Okay. Set up. Live. Ready Hello, to go. Everybody. How are we? Yeah. All right. Had a good day. Right. We, are, we are recording a day earlier today because I oh, yeah, am being hideously inconvenient and switching it to today because I am away over the weekend so I had to rearrange my entire life basically <laughs> to uh, make this work. But we, we got a podcast in anyway. Yeah, exactly. Mate. Yes. Um, exactly. This will be the first one with video as well and these will probably be famous last words is because now I've said it I'll my phone will probably blow up which has got the video on it but <laughs> well I have hopefully, recorded the last two weeks but hopefully people forget to send it over to you don't well so, yeah that's, that's why I'm taking over because old <laughs> hoggy over oh, is decided to keep all the media oh, for himself God, I'm sorry I don't mean to do so that. yeah if you see it popping up on uh will Matt be the run coach and all this cool content well you know he's got it from it's me I'm um, sorry so what we are going to talk about today is um, childhood obesity and kids' obesity rates. And this is going to be an interesting one because I have two children and Will has no children that you are aware of. That I am yet aware of, yes. Yet aware of, Maybe so. there might be. I'm going to crawl aware, out the woodwork <laughs> after today. Oh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Where have you come from? Yes. So um, it, it's an interesting one because I suppose up until a certain point, we and I use the, the the royal we as as parents yeah. are directly responsible for everything that our children eat. Everything like mm-hmm. you are in, in in theory. If your child is overweight, pretty much your fault as a parent. Mm-hmm. Now there are some obvious um, there could be medical conditions and things we have to deal with, but on the whole, you are. If if you know, if, for instance, if my kids say they're hungry. I will decide whether they're going to have something or not because sometimes they're just bored. And this is an interesting one we can tie into other little habits and things to pick up that you might not have realised that were ingrained in you when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, to, so don't, don't think eating disorders, think disordered eating. Like there, there is a very big difference between the two. Um, but yeah, so um, from, from a parent parental perspective, as well as a trainer and somebody who works in health and fitness and mental health and stuff, like... It is really, if your child is overweight and you're the only one feeding him, then it's kind of your fault. Now, if you don't have control all the time, then obviously it's a little bit trickier than that. Like if there are grandparents that are feeders or, you know, they stay at friends' houses and there's just snacks and things available, you know, kids are always going to go for food if it's there. So you you can't be 100% in control all the time to a degree. But on the whole, it is down to what you're doing and the control you're taking to make sure that, you know, your children don't become overweight. And it, it's not easy either. It's a horrible, horrible um, thing to do because as much as you don't want your kids to become overweight because of the health implications and obviously there's bullying and all the stuff that comes with that. The other side is you don't want them to get an eating disorder. Like, you don't want to be on their back all the yeah. time. So you've got to be really careful how you word things. Like, I mean, my eldest, bless her, she's like me. She's like a dustbin. She'll eat anything. <laughs> anything. And But she's so tall. Like, the stupid... Like, she is literally up to my armpit. And she's eight years old. And to put it in perspective, I'm six foot three. So, eight years old, my daughter sits at shoulder level on me and she's eight. So, she's very tall. So, she burns off a lot of energy without doing stuff and she doesn't stop moving around. So, Mm. she is constantly wanting energy. My youngest daughter is Diddy. She's tiny. She doesn't eat very often. But the trouble is with my youngest daughter, she just eats shit if she had the opportunity all the time. Yeah. 
she she's not you know my my eldest likes a meal and it's quite funny because they know that they should have three meals a day so we could go out for the largest roast dinner on the planet on a sunday and it doesn't matter because if they've eaten more than they normally would at, lunch, at dinner time and they haven't had their third meal of the yeah. day my eldest is like when are we having tea i'm like you've eaten like a whale at, at, di- at dinner, t- at lunchtime, like you, you ate so much food, and yeah, but yeah, but we haven't had the third meal. It's like yeah, uh, it's I don't have it. To, to hell with your reasoning. A bit. Where is dinner? And I'm like, I mean, you can have a piece of fruit, I suppose. And they're like, Yeah, it's fine. It's like as long as it doesn't care what it is, as long yeah. as they get it. So as long as there's something that makes them eat. It's yeah. Fine. So on that point, like I just have to because I, I I see it, I see habits emerging. And I suppose that's what it is. She's not getting overweight by any means, but the trouble is it's tackling those little things where when kids are bored, they'll, oh, can I have, can I have a bag of crisps? Because they just assume they want to break up the boredom somehow. Mm. So it's catching on to that quickly. And some of you may realise that that's what happened when you were younger. So that's why boredom is an instant food response. You know, you go to your parents, oh, I'm bored. Oh, go get a bag of crisps. Mm you then get that pattern ingrained in that boredom equals snacks. Yeah. And that's something that you've got to be careful with with kids because that's when they pick it up. It's no different than potentially with emotional eating, which is something that a lot of my clients talk about in the sense that they don't understand why mm. they need to, when they're upset, they go for food. Like, you know, the old cliche, girl breaks up with boy, goes for the Ben and Jerry's yeah, tub, yeah. you know. Um, and you know that's you know a marketing ploy that a lot of people will play on but the whole thing of comfort food is that when you were upset either a parent was incapable of dealing with it so they pushed food in front of you or the other thing was what they do is they would make sure that you have a cup of tea and a biscuit or oh i feel really down let's just get have a cake and we'll have a talk about it you associate the food with self-love and you pick it up as kids. That's the problem. You don't notice it as an adult because you picked it up when you're a kid and you don't get it. So you, it is an absolute minefield. It's exhausting sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like watching the kids and being like, I mean, I my my sort of fail safe is just have a massive bag of apples in the house that I buy from Morrison's. Yeah. Like you can, they're called like dessert apples. There's probably about 20 apples in a bag. I'm hungry. Go and have an apple. Yeah. Because apples have pectin in them, which suppresses your appetite. So a little hack there for you. For mums and dads out there, I'm hungry, eat an apple because that'll actually stunt your appetite, just maybe not straight before dinner or when you need them to eat. But yeah, so... I think it's... Let, let's go back to, to the to the thing of saying... Let's rewind. Let's, let's rewind and go back to, to the bit, obviously, it's the, the parents' the parents' fault. Yeah. What if, or, or there are people that, that I know, that their kids eat behind their backs and they hide the evidence of what they've eaten... Um, and sometimes that is that is out of of a parent's control, isn't it? You know, mm. if if oh, you, completely, yeah. there's you know, there are, I know a few people where they'll they'll go down the shop and they'll buy five pound worth of you know uh, chocolates and crisps and cakes and stuff. They will eat it in their room away from everyone, and then they'll hide it. And then a few weeks later or a few days later, they'll find the when they're putting their pants away in their wardrobe or something they find the the the, uh, the evidence of what they've eaten like a few weeks before mm. um so it's difficult isn't it it's difficult to to 100 pin it and say it's it's one or the other because sometimes i suppose you can you can have it where the kids 
kind of know that they probably shouldn't be eating all that. Yeah. But they do, do it behind their backs because maybe they know that they will get in trouble for it, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, yeah. So that kind of pulls into the fact that everything you're in control of. Yeah. So when I made that point of saying, I understand that sometimes there are outside influences that come in. But that you'll find happens a bit later on down the line. So how, you know, just for reference, what, how old are these kids that are going out to the shops and buying? You would probably say, well, I mean, if you're old enough to go out, you'd probably say between 11 plus, wouldn't you really? I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe a little 11, bit older. A little bit older. I'd probably say, if, if we go from, you know, the whole ruling that if you're 12 years old, you can be left in the house and you're yeah. maybe then. So what you've got there is, again, a bit of a borderline disordered eating starting to kick in. So as much as now you're not in charge all the time of what your child eats, you are still effectively in charge of their health. So it's up to you to pick up on... I mean, at the end of the day, as, as I say, if they're, if they're very energetic and they're running around and they're not becoming overweight, yeah. it's not becoming a problem. Mm-hmm. But if you notice that the weight is creeping on... And you're only eating, you know, feeding them the same thing you've always ever fed them because by proxy, if you keep the portion sizes the same as they get bigger and they expend more energy, they should, you know, level out or lose things up. Yeah. Then it's up to being vigilant enough, I guess. And again, I'm not. I'll make it very clear that again, as a parent, I'm not perfect. I fuck up all the time. Like I think all as a the parent, time, you will fuck up. Yeah, all the time, oh, yeah, yeah. If, if you're if you're a, if you class yourself as perfect, then you're lying to yourself because you're never going to get it right 100 yeah. percent of the time. But it's then being savvy enough to notice that something isn't right. And also you as a parent have to, and so the disorder thing on that point, it's going to come from two ends. Either A, you've restricted things so much that they sneak it. It's like no different when kids sneak alcohol. Yeah, you true. restrict it so much, it becomes a taboo thing, to which point then they'll go and try and get it when you're not looking. And that's just a natural boundary push that kids do because they want to know where they sit with everything and they're curious. So if you've always held things away, they will then go get it when you're not around. Mm -hmm. So if you limit snacks and crisps and junk food, which there is nothing necessarily wrong with that, but when your kid gets old enough to make decisions for themselves or opportunities arise where you're not around to govern what they do, they're going to then go down that road. Mm -hmm. So that would be more a case of, again, in this juggling minefield that is parenting, you may have restricted things down so much that there are no sweets in the house. Mm-hmm. There are no, you know, crisps. There you are lock no, them away. Yeah, you lock them away. You make say. a big point of saying that you can only have them when I'm around. So a moment when they have control, the first thing they're going to do is, you know, screw you parents, I'm going to go and get that yeah. bar and whatever. But they yeah. know they can't have it in the house. So, But then it's no different than, you know, my kids aren't allowed fizzy drinks because that's an adult drink. Like, you know, for now, they don't yeah. need it now, like, by any way, shape, or form. They're fine with juice. But they can try it if they want to. They're just not allowed to have it on their own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my eldest one doesn't care for it. She just drinks water all the time. Like, she, yeah, she's not really fussed by anything. She'll have an apple juice when we're out, but she won't drink anything else. She's quite happy with water. Mm-hmm. Isla, on the other hand, because she knows it winds me up, will ask, just ask, Daddy, can I have some coke? No, you cannot. No, no, not in a million years. You are hyperactive enough as it is. You are not having a sugary caffeinated drink. It's like when I drink an energy drink. Can I have some? Hell no. You'll be up. For, you will be up for the rest of your life. She probably laughs about that. it as well. She's like, yeah, yeah. But then it's like, well, nanny lets me have some, and you're like, oh, nanny. Well, full on. Like, 
Excuse me, what? What? what was that? She just dobbed nanny in there. Yeah, and but then the thing is, it's like again, you have to say with a pinch of salt. Like, is is her nan giving her a full bottle of coke? No, no. obviously not. Maybe a little bit in the bottom of a cup. Yeah, like chugging a two liter bottle of it. Like, Wee, screw you, dad. I don't have all the coke now. Um, but again, that's the thing. It's outside influences. So if we if we take back from the initial statement, because it does boil down to parenting techniques, but you are a byproduct of your parenting techniques. Like, for instance, my me and my dad had this conversation the other day when he... Um, I was in some kind of conversation and it was said that I let Isla get, or it said that Isla gets away with everything my youngest. I said, she does get, I'm, I'm hard as a parent. I'm an ogre compared to some parents. Yeah. Like I am genuinely hard on my kids because they will learn how to behave and I'm trying to set them up for the harsh reality that is life. Mm. And my dad was like, yeah, but you know, you do let her get away with stuff. And I was like, name one time. And he was like, yeah, well, if I've told her off and she's having a moan in her bedroom, you'll go in and sit down and oh, you know, have a chat okay. with her. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not at one point am I saying what she's done is okay. Yeah. But I need her to know that she can have a voice and explain why she did what she did. It doesn't make it right, but that's because it was always absolutes in my house, and there's nothing wrong with it. I don't. You know, I had a pretty good upbringing as as things go. There are obviously rocky moments, like in any child's upbringing. But you know, I'd like to think I'm a well adjusted yeah. individual. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it's one of those. So you, the way you parent is a direct byproduct of how you were parented. So if your parents are overly restrictive, you are either going to be equally as restrictive, maybe more so, because you have to put your own stamp on it, or you're going to be throw caution to the fucking wind and let them do whatever they want. Yeah. Because you were over-restricted and you don't want that for your kids. You always try and do a better job of parenting than you were subjected to, even if your parents were amazing, because you always know there's room for improvements because you can look back in hindsight. Parents can only do as good as they can do every day at every moment. You are just, you're only as good as the moment you're in. You'll lose your temper if you're tired. You'll make mistakes. Your kids might scuff their knees and hurt themselves. They might you know, hate you at one stage, but that's because you're both reacting to the object at the moment. As a parent looking back on how you were parented you're always going to find I mean there's things that your parents have done you think I'm not doing that yeah. Well, yeah. I can do that better and that's fine but everything has a knock on effect so you know we're, we'll do another uh, video on disordered eating and it'll be up on my YouTube channel um, that I'm going to do a few more and stuff like that because there's a there is actually it goes it's quite interesting because from what I figured out doing like looking into research and hypothesizing and stuff eating disorders that we would have of our generation are actually pre-programmed from our great grandparents so it's four okay. generations back yeah, yeah that affects how you do what you do yeah because you have to go back that far to determine how you get there which is it's interesting i'll go into detail another time because it's like quite time consuming but yeah so from from a parental perspective like i i will probably screw up about a hundred times a month yeah and you just got to ride with it because you won't know you've screwed up until you've done it. Mm. So, you, you you know, you can't be one of those parents that lives in absolute fear of everything because you think, oh, crap, like, what if I do it wrong? You're probably going to do it wrong at some yeah. point. But that's okay because you only do it with the best interest of heart and communication is key. So with kids sneaking off or if you notice all of a sudden, like when you go in and you tell the kids to clean their room and, you know, you know if you notice your kids putting on weight, and you're not letting them have anything bad for them. It's clear it's coming from outside. 
but you've got to be careful how you approach it. You can't just go and accuse people of yeah. you know, stuffing yeah, food in my that, kid's yeah. face. But then saying that, as, as a kid, my dad noticed that me and my brother were getting overweight and told us we had to cut things down, explain things to us incredibly plain and simple, you know. We used to go to my grandma's house. She put in a big spread for us because we were growing lads. Yeah. And you'd have your dinner and then you'd have seconds. And then you'd have yeah, a pudding. Yeah. But then we used to save our roast potatoes for later on because you always do too many because you knew we'd eat them. We didn't leave them. We'd <laughs> claim the ones we wanted and then when we thought we were hungry again, we weren't. We just knew they were out there. We'd go and eat more. Yeah. We'd go around my nana and granddad's house and we'd eat dinner and because we knew we could get around my nana and granddad, we'd get them to buy us chips on the way home Bloody and man. share a portion of chips yeah. and go at it like a fucking pair of vultures. But you know what you can get around. Kids know how they can play their parents. And parents will know what they're willing to, you know. And grandparents are kind of different because grandparents have no actual responsibility. Like, as long as you don't die on their watch, they're pretty gold. And they can pump pump your kids full of sugar. My dad does. He doesn't wind me up sometimes. He just agitates them and fills them full of sweets and then sends them back. He's like, you deal with it because ha ha ha. But... Oh, that's up. that's the prerogative of the grandparent but it's you've got to work as a team now I actually know somebody whose mum will actively challenge her daughter's authority in front of her kid I don't think it happens so much now because it's all moved up but this was you know a good say six years ago and I'd watch and obviously I can't say anything because I'm on the outside no. but there are some grandparents that are pretty much sabotaging the parenting thing because you tell the kid off and they'll go, oh, don't worry about it. And they'll, they'll pull some plum muffin out of their fucking bag or something. Yeah, After yeah. you just told them no, oh, I'll make sure you get one. No, 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 no. Yeah. The line is there. This is what it is. So, yeah, sometimes it's like your job as a parent, if you're not actively overfeeding the child and as you're, you're pre-programmed as a parent to stop your kid from dying, basically. Like, you, you want to make sure... It's, I mean, it's better the kid be slightly overweight than malnourished, obviously, but you've got to be very attuned to when that's happening because, as, as with anything, be, becoming overweight does not happen overnight. You Unless there's something incredibly wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I was speaking to my client the other day, wasn't I? And they yeah, said like, yeah. they gained eight pounds in two weeks. And I was like, well, if it was that rapid there was probably either rapid weight loss beforehand, which means it's come back on, or it could be part of your cycle, it could be you've gone on medication, it could be whatever. But if, you know, if your child wakes up and they're all of a sudden they're a stone overweight, you've got problems, you need to go take them to a doctor. Mm. It's not going to happen like that. It's going to happen over the stage of a couple of months. You're going to start noticing that what's going on. But the other big killer, which is why, I mean, you've got a statistic there, haven't you? Yeah, you so the statistic... Obviously, this is in 2017. I can't find the, the one that's in 2019. But, I mean, a record number of primary school children are leaving school severely obese, according to a new figure. It's absolutely incredible that tw- from 2016 to 2017 shows that one in 25 10 to 11-year-olds were severely obese, which is a massive, massive yeah. thing, isn't it? And it's interesting because you've... See, that's another... It's, it's, a, it's a frightening statistic, but it's also kind of screwy because they only go on BMI yeah and I think BMI is is something that a lot of people do go off because of generation yeah but it's it is horseshit I am not on the BMI no I'm just letting you know that you're not on it I am literally on the cusp of being on it when I was younger so you're you're like technically dead when I was younger you don't have a BMI yeah when I was when when I was at school when I was younger they obviously they do all your weight and you're like a health check don't they 
and um, they uh, they obviously they did it off BMI, and I wasn't on the BMI scale. That's how that's how slim I was when I was younger. And uh, do you know they used to give milk at school? They used to give, they they actually started. They were like, you've got to start up, having, yeah. yeah, you've got to start having milk and stuff at school. And obviously, it became became the norm thing. A few years later, like they they had like a a thing where people could go and get milk at break time anyway. Mm. But um, yeah, I remember like having to to start like drinking milk at break. I think I think it was like break time they used to give, yeah, give you yeah. milk or something. Yeah, they did that in my uh, preschool because I was lucky enough to go to a private preschool. Mm, I know. Private? Vince. Not not bad for a guy from Lee Park. Mm, no, private uh, preschool. It's only because it was over the road from my grandma's house. So oh, it was yeah, easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we used to get um, milk and a digestive biscuit. Yeah. Love that shit. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. I used to love milk. I used to love milk. I used to drink it. I uh, yeah. If I, if I get back into it, then yeah, cereal is a good day. Like, yeah, because yeah. I'm all about that shit. Um, yeah, so, but then it goes the other way because on BMI, I'm classed as obese. Yeah, like into the high end of obese. Yeah, because it, it's interesting because I, I actually had a phone call today with a client, and she said because um, they're going for fertility treatment, they judge everything on BMI. Mm-hmm. The problem is, so to put it in perspective for you, BMI, if you are short, you're fucked. And if you're tall, you're fucked. You, BMI works if you hit the average height range for your gender. Yeah. If you don't, you're kind of screwed. Because, so, I actually did body tracks the other day. I did. I, did. I actually had a good result. Yeah. Um, so I've put on 3.2 kilos of muscle mass in a month. Now, again, we're going to take with a pinch of salt, but that's what the reading said. So I'm 102 kilos right now. Yeah. I'm 19% body fat. So that's not bad. So less than a fifth of my entire being is made up of body fat. Yeah. But because I'm only six foot three only. <laughs> no. Um, anything higher than that is, you know. <laughs> yeah. If, in fact, if I was taller, I'd be fine. But... Because I'm only six foot three, I'm sitting into on a BMI scale, well into the obese category. But this is the this is the thing that this is I actually refuse to have my daughter me- measured at school. Would you? Yeah, well, you can opt out, mm. and I'm like, no, because no, you could opt out. I luckily, obviously, being in the industry, I mean, I'm very attuned to my girls, and I can regulate things up and down for them. Like in the holidays, um, if or in the winter when the weather's crappy. I do limit what they're doing because they're not going out so much. Yeah, yeah. But in the summer, I'm a bit more liberal because we go out all the time. Yeah. So, but the trouble is because it's BMI only, and it happens. I mean, it happened beforehand. There was a big thing on the with the wee fit when it first came out because it put your BMI up there. It yeah, told an 11 year old yeah. girl who was tall for her age that she was obese. Yeah. Like how devastating would that be? Well, yeah. Imagine At 11, when you understand what that means, and she was thin, she was a dancer, but because she had a bit of muscle on her, she was tall. Because girls have growth spurts quicker than boys. Bad, but yeah, it just it just doesn't add up. But yeah, so here's the thing: I lost four pounds in a week on a cut once because I did quite a drastic one to check how far BMI fluctuates. I lost four pounds, and my BMI went down by just under half a point. So I mean, that's it's a crazy, that's a pretty big jump in in a week to lose four pounds in a week, even if it's just water weight or whatever. But to have your BMI not move anywhere, I mean, for some people, that would be the most drastic cut they could do. And how devastating would it be to know that your BMI is barely shifting yeah. and have then someone who only works with BMI go, I mean, you need to work harder. Yeah. Harder? I've just lost four pounds in a week for you. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's where this... But, yeah, but a lot of kids are overweight. But the other thing is as well, I mean, it was... Not to sound incredibly old, but 
when I was a kid was when computer consoles probably came out. Yeah. So yeah. we were in the tra- I was in the transition period. So when I got into my early to middle teens, I was never sporty in school. It, it didn't appeal to me. I was overweight. It didn't work. Anything I liked was swimming because weight doesn't matter. Basketball because I was tall yeah. and I could relatively shoot. Not great. But <laughs> and rugby because I was bigger than the other kids, so I could just run down yeah. the other end of the pitch. I say run, um, sprint. Yeah. But yeah. So. The problem is with that is that you have a distraction and nowadays gaming is big. It's immersive. It gives you huge things to do. If you're a parent who plays a lot of video games like I do, not a lot, I, I, you know, while the kids are playing in their room, I'll jump on my game and yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I, but I actually jump on my game to get them off the TV. Strangely enough, what I actually do is I, I jump and say, I'm going to play my game now. So they bugger off in their bedroom and play. Really? Yeah, because otherwise they'll just sit on Netflix because TV is so immersive and you've got yeah. anything you want to watch. Anything. Yeah, issue, anything you want to play. Anything you want to watch. Everything's on subscription, on demand. And it's not like, you know, I mean, I'm a bit old school, but it's not like I go to the shop, spend £50 on a game that I think, right, that's got to last me at least six months because I'm not spending £50 again. Mm. Kids now will just, oh yeah, i just get a subscription service and they just play all day long. And because yeah. it's social now and all their friends are on it, it does cause you to stay in. So, again... Your job then as a parent, I say your as in mine as well, I'm not attacking, yeah. um, is to limit that time as well. And that's a hard fight to have. Mm. Girls te- girls are gamers, I'm not saying, I know quite a few, but boys tend to get drawn into it a bit more than girls do. Yeah. And it's hard. It is hard to then, you know, to limit the time and say, no, you're not doing that. Because there's a social pressure as well. Because it's like, well, all my friends are playing. Mm. And then you do have to have that age old <laughs> dad, oh, I don't, if all your friends were jumping off cliffs, would you do it? <laughs> And you're like, well, they probably would. But yeah, so there's a lot nowadays actually stacked against you in childhood obesity. It's like when Pokemon Go came out, wasn't it? All the kids were walking around. But that was great because they can't... Yeah, but it kind of worked. Yeah, Everybody's right, step count went up. The fact that they were walking out into traffic and smashing their heads into lampposts because they were staring at their screen too much. Kind of swings around roundabouts. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of annoying because... If I look back on it now, like I wish I, my biggest regret, if ever I had one, was that I didn't get into martial arts earlier, that I didn't get into playing rugby earlier, yeah. because I would have carried it on. On the other side of that, had I not, had I done that, I might not be in the position I am now. So, you, you know, you can't regret, you, got you know, your hindsight's a wonderful thing. But the thing is, at the moment, like, it's trying to find something that my kids can both do together. But this is why I've been working a lot on building more of an online presence, cutting down hours and working out my prices to reflect more of the skill set I have so that actually it's not because I'm being a greedy bastard I'm charging the right amount so that actually what I can do is get my kids out more and, and spend, spend time, time with them, with them pick them yeah. up from school I mean as it goes I'm I'm a bit of a bit of an ogre like I make the kids I walk with the kids to school every day yeah like every day rain or shine I don't care I mean if it's absolutely blowing a hoony outside if my other half has time before she goes to work she'll drop us off yeah but the kids will walk and because it's like, at the end of the day, that's half an hour's worth of walking they're going to do every day. Mm. And then they run around on the playground. And it's little things like that. Like, the trouble is, we're, everyone's so busy now, it's so easy to automate everything out. You just drive to the school. Yeah. You drive to the shops. You, you know, whatever, you know, you drive into town. 
Like, as you know, I don't drive, so I don't have that option. And we live quite close to town. So we'll walk in and I'll make sure that the kids do it's walk around easier, a lot. Isn't it, anyway? But it's so easy not to. And trouble is, again, parenting is incredibly hard. And I completely sympathize with everybody who's might be listening to this going, well, it's easy for you to say that because you've got a job that gives you all the hours under the sun. I get it. At one stage, I had four jobs because I was the only income earner, really, while my other half was on maternity leave. And I would work 36 hours straight. Yeah. Which was weird because you start hallucinating after hour 27 um, so I get it and I really get it and then the trouble is with that is if you're very busy you then go as we were talking about before we started hyper palatable foods quick cook stuff because you don't have time now I'm quite well, yeah, lucky I that mean, I enjoy cooking so I do make sure that I mean, don't worry, my kids have pizza once a week Yeah, we have a takeaway on the weekend but I make sure that at least four maybe out of the three days I'm in the kitchen and I make something with vegetables in or whatever yeah. else. So I mean that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like let's go let's go back to, to that high palatable, easy things to eat. You know, there's another there's another thing here that I just literally read whilst you were talking. More de- more deprived areas have a much higher rate of overweight and obese children compared to, to most well off areas. Mm. And that's probably because, you know, the the less quality food, the meats, you know, the pastas, the stuff like that are easier to to, ex- to to be accessible to them because they don't have as much income as, say, more well-off areas do. So would you say that that, that would affect how how they, um, you know, put on weight? Or, you know, what would that be a... Yes and no. I've pondered this quite a bit. I suppose because... it's in, her, in terms of your health, I mean, they're, they're much, because if you think about it, if you go into a supermarket, unless you go into to somewhere like Lidl or Audi, you're paying a lot of money for things like fruits and vegetables. You know the 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 little pallets of or the little boxes of um, blueberries are like one pound seventy five for like I think it's a hundred gram or fifty gram. I can't remember how much they are. So you're about like two hundred. Yeah, it's um, you know, so so thinking about those kind of things, it's it's not very really maybe as accessible to those people because they have less income. So they're not going to go for things that are going to be £2. They're going to go for stuff that's going to be nice and cheap. You can just literally maybe bung in the oven and that's it. It's done, you know? In terms of a health related... I, I'm going to contest that. Okay. Because... Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. How dare you? Go ahead. <laughs> um, because I think it actually comes down to education. Okay. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and there's been a real generation shift. We we actually spend on average twenty minutes less a day in the kitchen as we did forty years ago than maybe when our parents were in the kitchen. But do you not think that's because of technologies that enable you to not have to? Partially. So I think that it comes down to a few things. One, we work longer hours at the moment yeah. because of. Inflation does that. Like you can't live off one. You can't have a single income household right now unless you're earning quite good money. Yeah. Like I mean, it work. I mean, Jesus. I think it works out now. You have to be on at least maybe forty k. I would say at low at a low end. That's a lot in it. To run a house on your own and just enough to be comfortable. That's why you know. I mean, the standards like wage down this way is you know maybe fifteen. Around a year take home after tax. I mean, I think because the living wage went up, it's about 18. So if you're taking home about 15 each. So but yeah, say 30,000, 40 if you're on your own because you've got to make sure you cover all your bases yeah. and stuff. With that, you're working a lot. 
like me and my other half are passing ships, but I'm lucky enough that I got into a position where I enjoy cooking because I was taught to cook by my grandparents, mm. by my parents. I've always enjoyed it. If you don't enjoy cooking, it's an absolute arse ache because you don't. But then, you know, it's one of the things. But at the same time, if you're not taught that it doesn't have to be expensive to eat healthy, and I think that's the problem because we're looking at it the wrong way because... You can say, unless you go to places like Lidl or Aldi and stuff, it's expensive to buy fruit and vegetables. It's not anymore. Just grow them. Oh, but that's time consuming. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah true, true. So <laughs> the, the issue you have is that you're going to go for volume over, and that's it. That's what, kind of what I think you're coming from. Yeah. It's more, it's more volume yeah. over price. But the thing is, it's like, okay, so fruit and vegetables, they perish. Fair enough. Yeah. If you buy frozen bags of frozen fruit and veg, it's cheap, it lasts, but you know people would rather do chicken nuggets, chips and beans because it can all be done in the same thing. Yeah. And I get where you're coming from. There is a thing, but I don't. Because but the thing is, the funniest thing is in the in richer areas, if you look at the calorie content of the food that they're eating, it's a lot richer. Yeah. They just eat slightly less of it, or they're more educated in how much of things they should yeah. use because. It's that, or in a lot of cases, they've got somebody else doing it for them. Mm. But, oh yeah, I but, mean, if you're really, really, yeah, rich, I think you're the, have the, re- the reason the reason you. I would contest that is simply because where I grew up in Lee Park, it is a deprived area. It still is. You know, we didn't have a lot of money in my house growing up. Um, even till very recently, we didn't have much money in our house between me and my other half. Because we've had the kids and, you know, we've had to pay out for other things yeah, and maternity yeah. leave and stuff like that and businesses had to build up. But we always made sure that food was a priority and I think that's the problem. Because when you, if you are classed, not necessarily you class yourself, but if you are classed as deprived, your sole purpose is psychologically, and I've seen this happen a lot, again, people may not realise this or they might disagree with me, that's fine. But the first thing you're going to do is try and do things to elevate your status. And what people don't understand is actually eating healthily is a huge sign of status. If you can afford to eat things that are going to go out of date in a few days' time and eat them and look after your health and make that a priority, that actually makes you incredibly rich. But the trouble is we assume wealth with external shiny baubles. So you'll make sure that you've got the newest trainers. You'll make sure that you've got the newest phone because that's things that people can see. And it's a psychological thing because you're ingrained to be through social constructs, through media, through everything else, you're targeted to think, if you don't have these shiny objects, you're not as rich as this person. And you're told that you should be as rich as this person. Yeah. And that's the problem. But then it gets to a point where you get to a certain level. You look at the richest people in the world, they look like hobos. They don't care. Like they, they've passed that point. But for us on this level, I mean, as it goes, I have a proper crisis with myself. Like My, my biggest outgoing, money-wise, is food. Yeah. It always has been because I like food. But for me, and because that's how my parents viewed it, we didn't have nice trainers all the time. We didn't have the best clothes. Like if there had been Primark around and my parents were raising me and my brother, good Lord, we would have been tricked out all the time. Because you can get like shirts for a pound, it would have been great. But the one thing my parents did always do was make sure that me and my brother were well fed. Mm. So that took precedency over the nice shoes, over the clothes. But at the moment, what you see now is kids with trainers that are better than mine. They've yeah. got brand new phones. They've got contracts there. contracts and all this kind of yeah. stuff. 
And I think that's the problem because we want better for our kids. And you've been told your entire life you're deprived, you live in a deprived area. The first thing you're going to do is try and externally show that you're not. Yeah. And because of that, you view anything else as not as important. So you're going to look at, you know, buying a punnet of blueberries. And the trouble is because we don't really understand portion size either. We're always going to overdo it. Like yeah. a, a portion of blueberries is actually probably like something like 10 to 12. Yeah. Which if you had a punnet of 500 grams of blueberries, it lasts you quite a long time. But we don't. We go, plonk, because yeah. blueberries taste nice. Yeah. And you go yeah. mad with them. But that's the thing. And it, society won't tell you that. And as much as you have these programs, oh, you should all eat healthy and blah, 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 blah. In that program, because it's usually on a Channel 4 program. There are seven adverts then telling you buy these new shows, you know, JD yeah, King of Trainers. Yeah. Do you have these trainers now? Do you have this? Do you have that? And you're it's two conflicting stories. The biggest investment you can make for you and your kids is their health, making sure they eat well, that they're looked after, they're not malnourished. But what you're also told is, ah, oh, pauper, make sure you buy these trainers, other people will laugh at you because you've got no money. Yeah. I think also it's very uh, it's very hard sometimes for parents to get children to eat vegetables. Oh yeah, like they change on a dime as well. That's the that's the other thing. Yeah, like, see, I'm not a parent, so I don't necessarily know how how it works. But I know from I I, I quite liked my vegetables when I was younger, but personally, um, yeah, and and I think that's why I quite enjoy them now. But I know many people that that don't. I've never really liked their vegetables at all and, you know, would have very, very small portions of, of vegetables. Um, yeah, I had a few clients like that as well. Adults that, like, I had to wean... I physically had to wean them onto vegetables. I'm like, try one if you like it. You have to do, like, a one a different, different vegetable a day <laughs> to see if they like it. Did you like, did you like that? No, shit. Okay, all right. Next one. Did you like that? Mm, yeah, it was all right. Okay, we'll try that one again. Yeah. But then if... The thing is, getting your children to eat is stressful. It actually really is because, again, you want your child to eat well. You've made food. They decide they don't like it. They make a big fuss about it. You get annoyed. And then there's that friction all the time. And there's a yeah. lot of things. like you, Kids have this real thing where they're like, oh, well, my parents used to force this type of food on me, so I can't eat it now. Because mm. I associate it with that. It's like, I personally, there's very few vegetables I don't like, but I don't, I'm not a big fan of legume. Uh, yeah. Yeah, legumes. Yeah. I don't like peas. I don't like peanuts. I don't like parsnips because I think they're weird. They're too sweet. They don't belong. On, they don't belong on a plate. They're weird. Get old parsnips. Um, and I can't eat Brussels sprouts because they are in fact the devil, and I'll kill everybody in the room if I have one. Um, but everything else I'm pretty good with. But then the other thing is, and there's going to be hundreds of parents that you know. One day, if a hundred people listen to this podcast, um, there's going to be parents out there that are going to understand this as well. That my children don't eat the same vegetables, so I have to cook. The vegetables that they eat separately because they don't eat them together. So, so they not like their food being tucked. No, it's not so much that. It's just so my other half, me, and my youngest eat broccoli. Yeah, my eldest one doesn't. My other half and my eldest eat peas. Me and my youngest don't. Yeah, yeah. We all eat carrots, so the peas and carrots get cooked together. Yeah. Me and my youngest eat sweet corn, but the other two don't. So the broccolis and sweet corn go in another thing. And then you got whatever, like my my youngest one prefers roasted carrots to normal carrots, so I have to put those in. You think it's an absolute 
ball ache. It yeah. really, really is. But I am prepared to do what it takes because I've managed to refine my systems down. But in the beginning, if you've got people that want different things, it's just a, you just think, ah, no, I just won't bother with it. Yeah. Beans, spaghetti hoops. You all eat that. That'll go with this. You've eaten your food. You've got food in your belly. I've fulfilled my task as a parent to make sure you're not going hungry. Job done. Yeah. But that's the hard part because it is time consuming in the beginning but then you refine your systems down and then you realize that actually what you can do <laughs> i made a i made a cottage pie the other day and i sat the kids down at the table and i had my evil genius dad moment i was like guess how many vegetables daddy snuck into there and they're like what and they were like well we can see the peas and carrots in it i'm like yeah and they were like I was like, there's onions, because I saw you putting them in there. I was like, yeah. Nice. And then they were like, I said, well, what's on top? They were like, potato. I said, potato. And I went, and I put mushrooms in there. They're like, mushrooms? I was like, you don't even know. Shut up. You don't even, you don't even know, because I chucked them up really finely and put them in there. But that that's the problem. Like, it is an absolute game, and you have to be prepared to play it. And the trouble is, especially if you are a single parent. Yeah, I think that's really, really hard to It's to It's, it's to so, that. so tough. To do because you are up against it, and it is it is it's incredibly hard. Like none of this is easy. Like there's there's no nobody. I don't want anyone to walk away from this video and just think they're trying to tell us that it's the easiest thing in the world because it's not. No, no, no. But no. it is unfortunately what you signed up for. Yeah. When you decided that you were going to have the child, you you did decide that everything that they need has to go above yours. And I think that's the hard thing as well, because when you're trying to do that for your child, and at the same time, you're still trying to look after yourself and you're run down and you're tired, you're going to go for easy options. Yeah. Which is why sometimes, like on a Wednesday, we kind of have a, a family day where I'll take them to the local pub after school. Not like that. Um <laughs> For an, yeah, for an ice cream and we have ice cream we sit down we talk about what's going on how's school how's your day been blah yeah. blah blah we have a proper catch up we go home and they'll have a pizza for dinner because that's Wednesday's thing Yeah. but Monday and Tuesday I make sure they've had a proper dinner on Thursday they go swimming and they go with my other half and they get a McDonald's yeah. which is their thing for the, for the girls they do their thing after they've been swimming so they've burnt off loads of energy anyway yeah. Friday I will make a dinner, which is usually something pastry with a homemade sauce I have, which I sneak on the vegetables in anyway. Yeah. Saturday's usually takeaway night. Sunday, I do a proper dinner. So it, the balance is there. So it's not by any means a perfect every single day is a home-cooked meal. No. But it's like, as long as the majority is, you know, you're trying to get those in. But then the thing is, you, you know, if your kids are... I mean, my kids are a bit of both, but, you know, some... Kids prefer fruit over vegetables, and the trouble is now you're told that fruit's bad for you. Mm. The fruit's like the sh it's like cocaine. It's like it really isn't. <laughs> cocaine is cocaine, just so you're all aware. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the media is the media makes it very difficult for parents. Make sure your kids got all the cool stuff, otherwise they're going to get picked on, and you're going to be you're going to show off that you have no money and you're of low status. Well, great, cheers, thanks. Not you know, make sure your kids eat all their vegetables because that's a really good sign to show that you're doing a good job as a parent. Yeah. Pat on the back, great job. Nope, don't get none of that. Then it's you know, you're struggling if you're even if even if you're two parents working alternate jobs and stuff. One of you is always going to be stuck doing the cooking. As it goes, I don't mind it, so it's me. And you're fighting a losing battle half the time because either they don't agree on what they want to eat. That's the biggest one as well. That's my favourite one. What do you want for dinner? One says pasta, the other one says I don't know, like a roast dinner. <laughs> well, they're wildly different. Um, okay. Could can we just do maybe the one? No, 
I want that. Oh, all right, fair enough. Um, and some of you will say, well, just don't give them the choice. And it's like, yeah, obviously I don't in the end. I'll just make a decision based on yeah, what I want to yeah, cook yeah. out the two of them. <laughs> it's Wednesday, roast dinner. No. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it, it's, it's really tough. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I am not a uh, parent yet, so... I but you have to advise. But you're gonna. The thing is, I suppose for you is that you're in that situation where you you have clients that are parents, and they're gonna ask you these questions as well. Oh, yeah, they are gonna turn around and be like, "What would you suggest?" 100%. So, if I step away for a moment, um, what 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 have you advised in the past? I suppose because the thing is, whether it's right or wrong, your opinion is important because you're going to be asked for it. So it's like, yeah. you know, you're, you're not going to look at it from a parental point of view, which is sometimes really good because you're not clouded by the emotion of being a parent and mm. trying to make a, a logical decision based on emotion. Yeah. So you can just do pure logic. So what what is what have you suggested I mean, in the past? The, 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 I've only had it once or twice. Um, and I haven't necessarily, because I don't feel like I am personally in... In, in the form of power to say, you need to eat this, you need to do this, you need mm. to, do, to do this. Especially if it's a child. If it's a client, then I could be like, okay, maybe this is a good way to do it. This is a good way to do it. But, I mean, what I would say, and what I have said, is that they just need to, to get out there and do more exercise, you know, and, mm. and actually actively try to um, incentivize them to, to, to do something. So I think it was once... Uh, do you know the when Fortnite was a massive thing? Yes, um, I believe it still is. Is it? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I'm very uncool. Oh, I don't. I didn't realise it was still a thing. I thought. It, I thought it ended. Um, but they do. They do, do seasons. Do those young people still do those things? <laughs> I couldn't possibly tell you. I can't remember. Um, but they do seasons, don't they? Where it's like yeah. pay a certain amount. And I said to him, I was like, if you get, if you, if you go out and you do the, the, this exercise for the next three weeks, I will personally, out of my own money, buy you a season on on, on this for, on, on Fortnite. Um, unfortunately, he didn't do it. Unfortunately, he did like two weeks and then stopped. So um, don't get the prize. So he didn't get the prize. So that's me thirty quid. Who is in anyway? But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think. <laughs> In a way, that's a bad thing to incentivize. In a way, I mean, for someone that's external, that might be fine. But sometimes, incentivizing doesn't work. Like, I personally don't really agree with pocket money. Like, okay, you go do this housework, and I'll give you some money for it. And most of the time, this is sometimes from experiencing myself when I was <laughs> younger. Um, yeah, experience from when I was younger. I used to do the, I used to do the, say the washing up, or I used to do the hoovering, but I didn't necessarily do it that well. I'd be like, oh, 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 done. See you later. And then I used to get like five pound for it. And you think, mm, like looking at it now, your parents were very lenient. Like I had the same thing. Really, I had to do the dishwasher every morning and every evening. Now I had to do the dishwasher every day. I think it was probably more than that anyway. But no, yeah. I had to do the dishwasher every day, and I had to clean the house twice a week. Really? So it was the bathroom and the living room and Hoover it twice a week. I had a proper set of jobs. And my yeah. dad would come round. He made me go do it again. No, no really? money left that man's hand or my mum's purse until that place was like to standard. Yeah. So, I mean, it yeah, did instill yeah. a proper... Yeah, once, though, I remember. 
I, I don't necessarily remember doing it for a long period of time. I remember being quite young and and us having like a, a sheet on the fridge mm. that was like, okay, the so if you sheet. do, yeah, so if you do this, you get one pound. If you do this, you get this much amount. You mm. do this. We, um, yeah, we used to get one pound fifty a week was our pocket money. Like oh, yeah. when we were younger, yeah, like yeah. really little. And then it got to the point where, yeah, if I wanted to go, because I used to go fishing with my friends, that was our thing, mm. what we did. So, yeah, I had to make sure that I'd completed the dishwasher every day, tied it up on a Wednesday, and done the chores on a Saturday Yeah. before I got the money to go out and then go fishing, which was something like five pounds or yeah. something like that. Then you buy your bait and your bus fare and off you went. Yeah. Um, but I don't think incentivizing necessarily is a good maybe tactic in terms of um well if you're good then you know if you go out and you do this I think it only works if you're willing to take something away. Yeah. That, yeah. that you gotta follow through with it. Like for instance, again, the whole ogre parent thing, if my children aren't tidying their room up like I've asked them. And they're more than capable of making the mess. So yeah. they you know, my kids are six and eight, they understand the concept of tidying up, yeah, you know, yeah. not that they're babies. And they trash the place. And I've done it before. I'm like, if you don't tidy up your room, or if I've actually tidy and you mess around, you can put one toy in the bin. Mm. And they and I've, I've been asked this, do you actually do it? Yes, because they have to understand. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, if they, if, and I've said to them before, if you don't treat your toys with respect, you don't get new ones. Mm. And if you're definitely going to trash them on the floor and I end up stepping on them and stuff, you might as well throw them in the bin. Yeah. And it's it's the whole thing. You can you choose the first toy that gets thrown away. It's usually something out of a McDonald's. Yeah. Because yeah. they know some crappy toy they don't want. And I'm like, next time, I'm choosing the toy. And you know I'm going to choose something big because I don't care. Yeah. So I think, but then on the other side, when they're good, I think it's weird, isn't it? Because for me, like I'm, I'm very lucky that I instilled eating vegetables to the kids and they had to eat it. Yeah. But it's no different than, I suppose... You know, you unless you eat your vegetables, you don't get an ice cream. Yeah, but all of these things, it's a you. You are completely right in the sense of saying that incentive putting incentives out don't work as much as saying incentives do work mm. because it's so individual, and that's why I think it's the hardest thing. All of these statements are made sweeping. Children are obese. Right, okay, at the same time though. The rates of starvation in children are now no longer existing, which is actually pretty fucking great. Yeah, like. You know, not until very recently, you know, absolute poverty, starving children was a very big thing. There are still starving kids now, and I completely understand that. In in a Western country, we shouldn't have food banks. It's as simple as that. But the rate in which children are being malnourished, or at least underweight, is diminishing. The trouble is there are these pockets of things where it is worse, and it might be... There there are so many factors. You know, as much as my statement in the beginning was blanket that it is our fault, because it is, because we we are the one... You know, up until 18, we're responsible for our kids. Yeah. End of. They're going to rebel. They're going to fight. They might find ways of doing it. Other people are going to try and sabotage it. But unfortunately, again, every every it's nuanced for every individual. Like with the whole, if you're not in a deficit, you know, if you're not losing weight, you're not in a deficit. It's a blanket statement that rings true. But there are very different nuances and multifaceted parts of it that make it the statement. So saying it's the parent's responsibility, yes, it is. Of course it is. You are responsible for your child. Mm -hmm. But if there are outside influences that are constantly hampering your efforts, it's not completely your fault if you don't know where they're coming from. Yeah. So it's it's like it's hard because these blanket statements are very damning on the one hand. 
They have to be because it's technically true if you look at it in the logical sense that the only person who is responsible for my children is me and my other half. Yeah. So the, whatever goes into their body, I'm responsible for. Mm. It's no different if, if your kids are going out and stealing alcohol out of the cupboards. That's your responsibility. You need to know about that. You do. You do need to, to yeah. go and be aware of that. But at the same time, it might be that they've gone to a friend's house and they've done it there. Mm. Or, you know, there you've got a family member that said, oh, have a sip of that. Give it a try. You know, a bit of taboo. It's fine at the time. It's completely innocent. Yeah. But it's all counteracting stuff. So, yeah, it got, it's, it's really, it's difficult. But, you know, the thing is, from an outside point of view, your, your views are as, just because you don't have kids doesn't mean, as, you know, you can make a comment from a health professional. Because you are a health professional, yeah. you know, it's not just doctors. So, yeah, your your comment there is completely true, but at the same time, that might be the only way to get it to work. So yeah. you're not wrong as, as much as I'm not wrong, but at the same time, we're both wrong at the same time, you know what I mean? It's like, you yeah. know, my, the way I do it would not work for somebody else. No, I mean, you just find, I, I would, well, it was proven that I think it's, at, at first, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to get a reward from doing this. So they realise they've got to do some hard work And then they've got to realise ah, they've got to do the, do the work for it. And yeah. then it kind of falls on deaf ears. Or they actually do it. They do really well. They get the the reward, the in, whatever you've rewarded yeah. them with. And then they will just go back to what they've done before. Because they've, okay, well, Will's told me to do this. So I'm going to get from there to there. Cool, got from there to there. Get the reward. Cool, now I don't need to do anything. Because there's nothing that's going to be rewarding after that. Yeah. You know, I think... Yeah, and you fall into the trap of trying to find bigger rewards. Yeah, uh, it's, the it's same difficult, incentive. isn't it? And I think to, to summarise that is, I think it's such a, a balancing beam of of things that you have to try and do you know mm. I, and personally as a as as a non-parent it's it's very very difficult to to maybe find the the right answer for it you know there isn't a right answer for it there's there's you know you mm. can't say one one or the other and i think like you said earlier i think it's really really sad that in a western country we still do have people that are on either spectrum we have people that can indulge themselves and there are people that have to use food banks because they don't have enough mm. to to be able to do that um and i think you just gotta do what what is best for for your child do what's best for you um and at the end of the day you you have that duty up to a certain age and after that age if Unfortunately, they decide what they want to do themselves. You know. Yeah, I saw a really good uh, post the other day um, saying that you know, every, any you know, it was aimed at people saying anything that your parents do for you after the age of eighteen is done solely out of love, so respect yeah. it. Is, it is like you're not their responsibility. No, of course you're not. But I think yeah, I think the biggest thing is education. I really do think it is because there's been this because you think beforehand, your grandparents were taught how to cook from scratch. Yeah. Our parents were taught how to cook from scratch. Then there was this weird, there's this weird generation gap and it's more between my parents' age group and mine rather than between mine and yours. Yeah. Because you're younger than I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, where it kind of flipped a little bit and all of a sudden people stopped cooking and stopped realising that good nourishment was important, eating vegetables were important mm. and 
trying to communicate that over and convenience massively took over because it is convenient and it's highly palatable. Cheap food tastes good because it's full of sugar, full of salt, things that make you think, oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is when you actually cut that out, your taste buds reset and then you go back to eating and you think, oh, this tastes like shit. Yeah. It's horrible. Like fresh fruit and veg does taste so much better, but you've, the transition is hard because if you've had highly palatable foods first, you're not going to want to eat them straight no, away. No. It's it's like when you go from full fat, um, full fat, full sugar drinks to <laughs> no sugar drinks. That transition period's awful because you think, "What the hell's all the taste?" And then afterwards, you get so used to when you go back to a full sugar one, you think, "Poor Jesus Christ, I can like feel my teeth dissolving because there's so much sugar in it." Like that's kind of where it goes. So it's <laughs> um, yeah, pearly whites, just very good toothbrush. Um, yeah, so I think the key takeaway as we wrap up, because the uh, recording app's leaving at us. Please stop, please yeah, stop. Is education is key. If mm. you don't know how to cook, for the sake of your kids, learn. Yeah, Even yeah. if it's something basic. Buy better quality. If you have to go for convenience, go for top end. Yeah. Yes, you'll get less for the same price, but it'll be better quality and better for you. You have to kind of get out of that mindset that quantity is better than quality and actually if you go to top end restaurants what you pay for comes out in this tiny little thing but it's so rich and so full of flavor that you don't need any more than what you get no, no. so yeah you you can be rich in your own right if you put your health first like that would be like my biggest takeaway is that actually wealth is determined on how well you look after yourself yeah not by the shiny triggers you have on the outside which is why my poor children Probably don't have the nicest, <laughs> like they don't have top branded stuff. But at the same time, they eat well, they're healthy, and that's, and that's all I can ask for. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's that's the juggling act that I would say. So, no, I agree absolutely. I think education and and putting you know that quality over quantity is is really important, really important. Um, I'm quite lucky to have the time to to be able to to understand where my food comes from by growing it myself. But again, like Vince said earlier on, it's a very um, time-consuming thing sometimes, especially if you're choosing vegetables that are fairly difficult to, to grow, things like broccoli, things like um, you know other, other vegetables, rather than things like carrots and chard and beans are so easy to grow. You don't really have to do hardly anything. You know, put, put a, uh, a cane structure up and beans grow, you know. Um, tomatoes are pretty easy yeah, stick a tomato tomatoes. in the ground it'll grow yeah yeah absolutely potatoes potatoes are pretty easy to grow um, just try and stay away from you know other beetroot uh, kind of easy sweet corn kind of easy Ears uh, of corn growing out your garden yeah pretty, well that's what happened last year I had so many bits of corn but <laughs> I think it's just really important to, to, to understand um, where it comes from you know yeah. where it comes from but that is it for us today. Thank you. So, quick pitch at the end. Where can they find you? Social media. At Matt Plea, the Run Coach on Instagram and Will Mapley PT on Facebook. Nice. And for me, VS Complete Fitness as all one word on Facebook and Instagram. And if you are already watching this on YouTube, you've already found me. If not, it's VS space complete space fitness if you want to find me on YouTube we put videos up and content all the time every day love you guys grind. first video whole video no problems because I did it <laughs> no no it's not <laughs> so thank you very much for listening guys and for watching for the first time and we will see you next week
Ciao, ciao. Goodbye. That was good.